So we've sort of been walking through the Revised Common Lectionary as a a means for us to have a direction in our teaching. Um, And so as Herb and Quinn kind of have pointed out when they've taught before, there's a lot of different passages that are used. And for the most part in the churches that I've been involved in that use the lectionary, they almost always preach the gospel texts, um, which can sometimes be awesome, but at other times you're kind of missing out on the greater expanse of what scripture is. And kind of the idea of the lectionary is to be able to get a bigger picture of scripture. Um, so I kind of wanted to just give you guys a little preview of what's going to happen in, starting in September. Um, one of the things that ideas that I've brought to the table is that we start using what's called the the narrative lectionary. And this uh, has been going on for about four years. It's a newer thing. Um, Started to be worked on by people at at the Luther Seminary. And the narrative lectionary, it's a four-year cycle. And the idea is that you go through every single year kind of the bigger picture of Scripture, starting from Genesis and creation and going on through the early church and the epistles. And so there is a focus passage every week that gets preached on. And just to be able to be nice to the folks that like focus on (laughs) the gospels all the time, they always have a gospel text in addition, especially during this season of the year where they're focusing on the old Testament. But I find, I think that's going to be exciting for us. I think it's going to be meeting that need that we have in, in our mission statement that talks about teaching the fundamentals of the faith and part of learning the fundamentals of our faith is learning the whole of Scripture, not just the New Testament or just the Gospels, even in more particular. So um, anyway, <laughs> that was just your little preview. And so that starts September 7th, FYI. I put it in the calendar. Um, so, so today, when I was looking at the lectionary text for the week, I was really drawn to the Romans passage. (laughs) And the last time that I taught, I also taught on the Romans passage. And um, this section that we're talking about today has been something that I've always been drawn to as a believer. Um, So let's just dive into it together and see what God has for us. If it listens to me. Quinn, you might need to help me. Because my little... It's on the slide one, so if you go down to the bottom, you'll be able to... Yeah, there you go. Click it over so we get on the next page. Okay, so yeah, that's my title. Sacrifices, Conformity, and Community. Ooh, that sounds like a title of a paper. (laughs) Sorry, guys. (laughs) Okay, keep going. Okay, so the passage that we're focusing on today is Romans 12, 1 through 8. Appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Keep going. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members, and not all the members have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members of one another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, 
prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. Exhortation is usually an encouragement, and sometimes it can be tough love encouragement. So it's, it's sort of like keep pressing on. And I think if you look at a lot of Paul's letters to the churches, those are exhortations. Because he'll give them critique, but he also gives them like, hey, keep going. You can do this. This is, this is what God is planning in you through the Spirit. Okay. So when I first looked at this text, I, you know, can you go back to the first section, Quinn? Just back one slide. So I'd seen this part kind of separate from the other part. And when you look in a lot of Bibles, that's where it's split. So you're, in your mind, when you read this, the text, when it's got headings, you kind of separate the scriptures from one another, when sometimes those things are an unnatural division. And maybe what Paul was trying to say, those two parts actually went together. Um, and I think for a lot of us, you, we've, we've heard, if we've been around the church for a while, we've heard this first couple verses quite a few times. You know, giving your life up as a living sacrifice, being transformed and not conformed to the world. I mean, th- those are some very strong messages that we have in, in the church today. So, Quinn, can you move to, like, next one? So I'm going to walk through this and break it down, and then maybe we can look at things a little bit from a 30,000-foot perspective together at the end. So, When we look at this first verse, the first thing that stands out to me is the mercies of God. And so, you know, Paul doesn't really describe to us what the mercies of God are in this passage. But previously in Romans, there's numbers of different passages that refer to God's mercies. Um, What do you think some of those things are? What, What are God's mercies to you every day? Grace. How else is God merciful to us? Forgiveness? So I think what sounds like what you're saying is uh, reassurance and restoration is is something that God gives to you as a mercy. Um, one of the things that I found in, in one of the commentators I read is, is he had this whole list of things from earlier in, in Romans. And if you're taking notes, you might want to like jot them down to see. And just if, if remembering or, or soaking in or feeling that God is merciful to you is a struggle for you, this might be something that you want to stick with you this week. 
Um, so what are God's mercies to us? Well, we have freedom from death, and that's found in Romans 5, 12 through 21. We have freedom from sin, and that's found in Romans 6, 1 through 23. We have freedom from a dysfunctional relationship to the law that fosters sin. Romans 7, 6 through 25. We have the gift of the Spirit. That's another mercy of God. Romans 8, 1 through 17. We have God's plan to conform believers to the Son in Romans 8, 29. And God's faithfulness to keep promises, especially those that he made to Israel. And that's in Romans 11, 25 through 29. And so that's the passage that was just right before this one that we read. So obviously God has given us a bounty of mercies. And a lot of times we think about it as God's forgiveness and grace, but it goes so much farther than that. Um, So the next section of what we're looking at is, I thought it might work for me. You have to move me forward. Okay. Is sacrifice. Um, gosh, when I, when I read about sacrifice, I think my mind goes to like some per, some tribe and some near a volcano that worships some God and, and they throw their people like the young virgins are going into the volcano to be sacrificed to this God. And, and I know that sounds kind of ridiculous to us, but there are cultures that do things like that. You know, in, in response to a lack of rain or too much rain or um, their crops aren't growing, you know, whatever need that they have at the time, it's like we must have angered the deity. How can we respond to that anger? Well, we must be given, we need to give a sacrifice. Well, those of us who understand the story of Jesus recognize that Jesus is our sacrifice. He died for our sins and he rose again. So he didn't just die. He came back. So he wasn't just a martyr. He was our savior. Um, And even though it's kind of weird to think about sacrifices, I think they really do permeate our culture. Um, And in novels and movies, we see it all the time. Um, And I want to have Quinn pull up the scene. Before you start play, I want to tell you a little bit about it. Can you find it? I had it up. Right. Yes. Okay. So the movie that this clip is from is Stranger Than Fiction. Um, This scene has Will Ferrell and Dustin Hoffman in it. And if you... It's kind of complicated to explain in a really short period of time, but essentially uh, Will Ferrell's character is... um, living life, but he's a character in a novel. Super creative film. Okay. So what's happening is that he, he like sees things happening or he hears this narrator and he kind of has sought out Dustin Hoffman, who's this literary critic and English professor to try to explain, oh wait, what's happening with you? You're not just totally crazy. This is like, this author is writing your life. And she writes, it turns out only tragedies. So he had this big turnaround in his life where he went from being this kind of boring IRS agent who didn't really do anything in his life to beginning to, like, take risks and live life. And he started a relationship with this woman that is completely different from him. Um, but he's, he's, like, truly living for the first time. 
And he is now finding out that his life must be a tragedy. So let's um, listen to what happens between them. I don't know. It's it's plugged into the HDMI, so... The button, sorry. The volume's down here. Is up? Is it up on the computer? Oh, I can sort of hear it. Okay, go back.
<clears throat> you go back to the slide. Thanks. Um, I loved what Dustin Hoffman said to him at the end. Is you know, you're going to die. It's going to be in some way or another. But I know he's talking about this novel. He's choosing to make it this most poetic death. But in Christ, we can choose to die to ourselves. And that's choosing the poetic and beautiful thing. And that's living a life with Jesus and being used by him by releasing our own will to God's. And I think we could just fold up our papers and go home on that. You know, when we think about sacrifice, there's always, there's a death involved, but that's the end the martyrdom happens, and it's over. But when Jesus calls us to be living sacrifices, we're laying ourselves down, but God chooses to use that humility and releasing of our own way and will to his glory. And what's harder about that living sacrifice is it's a continual process. It's not a one-time moment where you say, God, you're mine, or I'm yours. Do with me what you will. Now, we got to say it every day. And most of the time, we have to say it over and over and over every day. Because our desires and our will want to come back and take us somewhere else. They want to turn us off of the path of God But our living sacrifice means that we're just laying it down. We're laying it down, and we're laying it down over and over again. And it doesn't mean that we're less of followers of Jesus. It means we're human, and we all need to continuously lay it down. Okay. Let's go to the next one. Oops. Apparently, I didn't highlight the right thing, so forgive me on that one. I meant to highlight spiritual worship. Um, when I looked at some of the translations of this, spiritual is kind of a weird word to translate it for. Um, I don't want to totally bore you with all the Greek stuff, but it essentially means logical or reasonable. And so when, when we see something like spiritual worship, oh, we're thinking like some elevated state. But that's not what Paul's intention was. Um, our, our response to Christ's sacrifice for us on the cross and our laying down of our lives and that as a living sacrifice is a logical response to Christ. It's a reasonable thing to expect. So it's something to remember that oftentimes when we hear worship, we think music just in our culture. That's just part of how we're wired. Um, But God's not looking for our worship songs. I think that's part of our worship, but that's not in the entirety of it. what it is. It's a response in our bodies, of our actions, of our thoughts, of the things that we're doing every day to respond to God by saying, yes, I'm not turning my way, I'm turning your way. And how I'm doing that and demonstrating that is through my worship and my sacrifice. So I think this helps us to remember that it's kind of silly to spend a lot of time fighting about how we do church. 
because really what the most important thing is how we love each other and how we love the people that don't yet know Christ. That's really the worship. And that comes from a heart that's turned to God. Okay. So the next thought is um, the next verse about not being conformed to the world and being transformed by our minds. So when I think about conformity, it's like in the mold of something. And then I was thinking about Plato. It's like Plato's kind of a weird substance. It's kind of cold and clammy feeling and you can smash it into stuff. And sometimes it's sticky and sometimes it's kind of slimy and sometimes it gets dry and crumbly, depending on if your kids leave the lid on or off or if they put it underwater or do all those kind of things. But really, it's the Play-Doh itself is not really the fun part. The fun part is, like, making it into its different shapes. And the, the most cool stuff to me was always the molds. And so you have all these different things that you're shoving your Play-Doh into, and then you're trying to get it out without getting smashed and all that kind of good stuff. Um, so the Play-Doh itself is that pliable thing, but the mold is what shapes how it looks. And we have to remember that we are pliable. We're affected by all of this input that's outside of us. And the things that we spend time in and doing and thinking about and relating to are the things that will be our mold. They will shape us. And so I guess my question for all of us is, you know, who or what is shaping you? You know, what are you spending time in or doing or who are you with or what are you thinking about that's shaping you? You know, are you being shaped by God? Are you being shaped by something else that maybe is molding you into something that Jesus doesn't want you to look like? So in order for us to be shaped by God, we have to embrace God's mercies and turn away from sin by sacrificing our lives and our will to be shaped by his. And that's where it hurts. You know, because sometimes we're not as pliable as we want to be. And God's putting us into a mold that we're like, you know, your arms going this way and you're like going this way and you're, you're pushing like a cat that's trying to be put into a carrier. That's not a pretty picture, people. (laughs) That That is like, no, I'm not going in there. But are we willing to, to allow ourselves to be shaped by the potter? Are we, are we putting ourselves in a position where we're not the crumbly Play-Doh, where we're the, like, pliable, nice, moist Play-Doh that can be pressed and molded into God's shape for us? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. No, he had to keep being renewed. <laughs> right. He's like renewing and refreshing because no matter what, even if you keep your Play-Doh in the container, it's going to get dry eventually. And if you add a little bit of water, you can make it last longer. And so the word and being around other people, other believers that are fellowshipping with us, those are ways that we can be renewed in prayer, all of those things. Like having good spiritual disciplines, those are a renewal. That's how we get and keep that new mind. 
go. So moving on to that kind of next section where um, Paul is calling the church at Rome not to think of themselves more highly than they ought, but to think with sober judgment. So obviously that's humility. And I think our humility best comes from a transformed and renewed mind. I think we're a lot more likely to to be haughty and self-righteous when we are not being renewed by the Spirit of God. Um, Because I think, just for myself, in the the times and places where I'm closer to Jesus, I am more likely to be, like, really awed at God's mercy and grace for me and more aware of how much I fail. And it's not in a place where you're judging yourself. It's a place of like, whoa, okay, I'm actually seeing myself for who I actually am. But God loves me and Christ died for me for all of it, for all time anyway. And so I think this gives us opportunity and space for having different levels of trust in God. I don't think Paul wants to judge us to judge ourselves and to judge each other about different levels of trust that they have in God um, because we ought to be humble. And it's just a continuous growing process. So now here's the section, the last part, where Paul's talking about these different spiritual gifts, and it's not an exhaustive list. I think he was trying to just make a point. Um, That we we have different spiritual gifts in recognizing how important and how valuable these are. Um, He loves to use this metaphor as the church as a a body of believers, and you'll see it all over Paul's writing in the epistles. Um, So each part has a function, and it's necessary um, to be optimally used. Like we, as a body of believers, have to have all of the gifts present for us as TLR to be the church that God has called us to be. Those gifts need to be present, and they need to be operating. And that's the hard part. The gifts may all be present, but there may be some of you here that are not operating in your gifts, or you're not utilizing them in the church, or you're afraid to use them, or you don't even know what they are. Um, So it's important for us to know our gifts and to use them um, with one another, but in humility. Um, Because I think he's making the point, too, that, you know, there's not— one gift that's greater than another, that they're all equally important. Um, I, I was thinking about the small things because, you know, Paul's analogy of the body. I, I started the um, couch to 5K thing, I guess, about five weeks ago. I'm telling you people, I've never run in my entire life. And so I just decided, oh, I'm going to go running now. So start small, do this program. Well, I think, gosh, I think it was like two or three weeks in, maybe two weeks in, I started having some pain in my foot. I was like, what is this? So I was stretching. I was wearing this thing that I could wear at night to stretch um, that part of my foot. And it's, like, not getting better. And it was just, it was this thing that just was nagging. And you're, and it turns out it's like a tendon. You know, it's, it's not exactly a large part of your body. It's not your quadricep. It's not your calves. It's not, like, a broken bone. It is a little tendon in your foot that can just cause massive amounts of pain if you're running. So it just reminded me so much when I looked at this passage about, you know, if we are missing 
some of these gifts, it can cause an immeasurable amount of pain or loss for us as a church. And so we need to encourage one another to, to live out our gifts and to identify them in each other and, and to be um, encouraging and exhorting one another to, to use our gifts. Um, and it's something important to remember that, you know, God is the one that gives us our gifts. It's not us. We're not, like, the best thing since sliced bread. You know, God is the one who gives us the power to live in this way. And um, it's acting through the Holy Spirit. So, okay, Quinn. I have this thing for word clouds right now. I'm a little obsessed with them. Um, And so this is a word cloud I did for this whole passage. Now, looking at the words in here, what surprises you about this? Well, what happens is the words that are bigger are the ones that are happening more frequently in that passage, whatever passage you plug into the computer. No, the color is just for contrast. Any reflections? It's okay, Shirley. Mhm. Right. Mhm. Right. Mhm. Judy, you look like you had an aha moment. I'm calling you out. Sorry. Yes. Mm hmm. That's cool. Mhm. Yes, more frequent. Yep. 
Because in this passage, Paul was using God more frequently, obviously. Angie, this is sort of for, well, sort of for you, for you visual folks. This is, this is a gift to you and Shirley. <laughs> yeah, wordle.net. That's what it is. Yeah. And you can monkey with the colors and change the organism. Yeah, I can, I can see some sort of art project happening with this in the future. But that's just an aside. <laughs> so for me, I was like, okay, so this is all the words of this whole passage. What is the, so to me, it's like, well, what is the words that are used more, more frequently? Maybe that's really the point. Maybe that's what Paul's trying to get at. And I see one, members, body, as, and many. Like, continue, like, thinking about community as this focus. Even though we started this passage off with living sacrifices, God's mercies to us, um, our spiritual act of worship, you know what, in order for us to really live out those things and that sacrifice, we need to do that in community with each other. And maybe what's, what's the hardest living sacrifice to do is live in community. So the community can be the joy for us, and it can also be a thorn for us, right? I mean, we live that out in our families every day. And some of those family relationships are really holy and helpful and encouraging, and others of those family relationships are very challenging and difficult and suck the life out of us. And the church, if it's really the church, they could just do that too. (laughs) The church, if we're really being the church or our family. And so I think some of the ways that we, you know, to use Paul's terminology elsewhere, that how we work out our salvation is through a community with each other and living together. So that's just some food for thought for us today. Mm-hmm. That's right, because that's your gift. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that's cool. Yes, Eric. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have so much left to do. Okay. Um, 
Next slide, Quinn. So these are just some things and thoughts that I had about all of this. Um, our best worship is sacrifice, sacrificing our way so God can use us. Sorry, I totally messed up that one. Um, our hearts don't want to live in self-sacrificial community, but that's what we are created for. And that's how God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus live in the Trinity. So I always think that that's kind of the example that we ought to look to in self-sacrificing community. So when we have the mind of God, our first thought is not of receiving, but of giving. And so when we think about coming into occasions where we're spending time with one another, how do we focus on giving to one another rather than receiving something when we come in? Um, And so part of obedience to God is using your gifts, and that's something I talked about. And as we're kind of approaching a new season here at TLR with our new mission statement, our new vision, or our renewed vision, um, how are you able to plug in and to serve and to love each other in self-sacrificing community? Okay. We're going to do a responsive prayer. Next slide. There's another slide after this, but... um, So I will say the white ones, and you'll say the yellow ones. We thank you, gracious God, for establishing the church as a single body of interdependent members, each having a place and purpose. We know that we need each other and are called to appreciate the great variety of gifts you have given us to use. Help us to rejoice with those who are feeling joy and delight. Help us to sing with those who are singing your love and praise. Help us to taste the agony of those who are hurting. Help us to share the burden of those who are in distress. Take away any jealousy and resentment from our hearts when we see others achieving success. Fill us with that spirit of unity in Christ that lets us see and feel and know that we all belong to you through the grace we have received. Make visible the unity that you desire as we express a spirit of reconciliation in all our relationships. Make us all one with you by the inspiration and guidance of your spirit. Lead us into lives worthy of our calling in Christ with all lowliness, meekness, and patience bearing with one another in love, and eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. We pray for this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. It is after 12.15. So if you have kids, go up and get them. But I want to just continue this time um, into a time of communion. it's something that we don't practice enough, I think, here, and it's something we're going to change. <laughs> um, so I have a couple of folks there helping me out with communion, and I want you to come forward. We're going to come to you guys today. Um, and I just want to give a shout-out to my wonderful sister-in-law, Maria Riddle. She is a ceramics student at IU, and she made these cups.
So in communion, we remember Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross. His broken body, his shed blood. It gives us hope, forgiveness, an ability to grow, to have renewed minds, and to be and live in community with one another. As you take a piece of bread and dip it into the juice today, take a moment to remember what Christ has done for you and how you can share that love in community with one another here in this place and everywhere else you go every day. Father God, we lift these elements to you knowing that they are just bread and they are just grape juice. But they are representative of the sacrifice that you gave on the cross so many years ago. Jesus, forgive us for the times that we forget that sacrifice and we live our own way. God, grant us the joy of being living sacrifices for you every single day. I pray that you would encourage us when we fail in this and that we would walk in peace and in your forgiveness in that failure. God, help us to rejoice in success and progress in your name, but Lord, that we would not be haughty. We would give all the glory to you because that's where it came from in the first place. We pray for these things in your name. Amen. given for you. This is his body given for you.
hope. Continue to grant us mercy to be your people, to walk in your name. Continuously forgiving us when we fall and standing there, picking us up and dusting us off as we continue forward toward you. Lord, send us out with hope, knowing that we're not a people that are left broken, but we are being renewed day by day. God, let us share that hope and peace with all we encounter and to be the true light of this world. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Go in peace. Have a great week. Like humility, essentially.